Now, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19 verse 23. And what I want to do is this. I really want to use today, is, is I want to use today kind of the unofficial or official opening of summer. I want to use today as a challenge for us as a, as a church and for challenge for us as, as individuals. When you look at all the things that are going on on our church calendar, if you look at the different things that are going on, we have a lot of activity, but it's a lot of good activity. So, for instance, VBS starts next week, and, and VBS is what? It's an outreach into our community. It's an outreach for children and families, for us to get into the lives of the people in our community, to invite them to a safe place and to teach children about, about Jesus. So we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out into our community through VBS. And then I think it's on the, the 18th or 19th, our youth are leaving, and they're leaving here. There's a team of them going, they're going to go down to Kentucky. Remember what happened in Kentucky last year? There's that tornado that went through there. So they're going to take a week of their lives, and they're going to go serve the people of Kentucky, doing a lot of different things, because it, it matters that we go out and we serve in the name of Jesus. What a beautiful blessing that we have. And then we have children's camp and we have youth camps and and we have those for intentional reasons. We want to invest in the lives of children and we want to invest in the lives of young people. We want to disciple them and do the best that we can to teach them about Jesus so they can have this formation of faith. And it's not just all on parents. We recognize we have this wonderful privilege of, of being together and helping and serving each other. So we, we have those wonderful ministries uh, for us to be able to do those together. Wednesday, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to, I'm going to drive to uh, Kansas City. Uh, we have missionaries, the Howells are there and the Penners there, missionaries that we support. I'm going to spend uh, a little bit of time with them and I'm going to talk with them and I'm going to uh, find out about what's going on in the ministries that they work with. And then later in the month of June, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back uh, from Seattle and I'm going to go to uh, Boise, Idaho, where the rafts are at. And then I'm going to stop by uh, the, the Loveland, Colorado uh, area where the, the Tumases are at. And then I'm going to jump down to Asylum Springs where the Walcott's are at. And I'm going to spend time with them. And all of those are missionaries who we support. And they have ministries is going out all over the world telling people about Jesus. And then one of the Sundays that I'm gone, Dr. John Furge, right? I got that right, Dr. John Furge. He's going to be here, and he just came back from Ethiopia. And he's probably going to give you a little bit of report of, of what's going on in Ethiopia as they attempt to get the message of the gospel out. So when you look at all of those things, you see that we as a church understand a corporate responsibility to make disciples of all nations. So that's why we invite you to be a part of Faith Promise. That's why we invite you to be a part of taking the message of Jesus out into all the world, because we recognize that that's a responsibility from Jesus. But what's interesting is, is in this text that we're going to look at, Paul makes it personal. He makes it personal to his own life. He says, okay, I have this responsibility, and what I want to do is I want people to know and understand and recognize why I live my life in an intentional way. I live my life sacrificially. I live my life in a very, very different and intentional way, and it's to do this. I want people to know and embrace Jesus as Savior. One of the, the overarching things in Paul's life, passions in his life, was to live his life in such a way that people would come to know Jesus in a personal way. In verse 19, he says this, I, though I am free and belong to no man, I what? I make myself a slave to everyone. Why does he do that? Why does Paul make himself a slave to everyone? It says this in verse 19, to win as many as possible. To win the Jews, to win those under the law, to win those not having the law, to win the weak. I do all of this, verse 23, all of this for the sake of the gospel. And what Paul is reminding the people at Corinth and us that we have this 
personal responsibility to live our lives in such a way that we communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think what Paul will help us to know and understand is there is a way that we can live and walk to help people come to know and understand the message of Jesus and who he is. So Terry read the text. Let me just read the text. It's, it's on there on the screen. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one having the law, though no, I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul has an overarching passion to live his life and to order his life in such a way that people would come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your word because it teaches us and it helps us to know and understand what it is that you would have for our lives and how we are to live with a sense of urgency. And we thank you for that. Father, I do pray for the churches and the families in Uvalde, this horrible, horrible thing that has happened. Father, we cannot get our minds and our hearts around what has happened. Father, I pray for peace. I pray for comfort. Father, I pray that there would be a a sense of people calling out, crying out to you, seeking your face. And Lord, as they do that, I pray that you would meet them where they are, that through the the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, you would bring peace and comfort, Lord. We ask that you would do that. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I first became a Christian at Grace Brethren Church in Long Beach, California, one of the first verses that I memorized was in the New American Standard Bible, and it was 1 Corinthians 9, 19, and it goes like this. For though I am free from all men, I made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. And what what Grace Brethren Church did to me was they instilled in me, they wanted to instill in me this, this heart, this passion, this responsibility, if you will, that every one of us have the opportunity to go on and, and take the message of Jesus no matter where you would live, no matter where you would do. So that's what I did. I went out to my job. I was working in a, a store and I went out to there and I, I began to talk to the people. And I remember one day um, after it had closed, it was, it was kind of late at night, 10 o'clock late at night, me and another guy, we stood outside and for a couple of hours we talked. And for a couple of we just talked about Jesus. We talked about faith. We talked about the Bible. And, and I remember when it was over with, I mean, it was, it was late. It was a couple hours later. It was late. And I thought to myself, as he's leaving, I'm leaving. I thought, man, what a waste of time. I just spent two or three hours with this guy and absolutely nothing's going to happen. So I don't know exactly what happened if he was transferred, if he would move to another store, but somehow we lost track of each other. So six months later or so, he comes back into the store and he wants to talk to me. And he says, Clint, I want to tell you something. I, I became a Christian. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I just could not believe what had happened. And and the point that I want to make is this. We do not know when we are planting seeds with the message of Jesus. We do not know what God is going to do. A lot of times what we are doing, we are called to simply go out and plant seeds, if you will. We are called to go out and take the, the message of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And even in a passing way sometime, in a conversation, we don't know how that seed may bear fruit in some way sometime later. 
You know, very few people, when you have a direct conversation about the God, very few people come to Jesus in, in the first time. It takes a, a period of time. Sometimes it takes one, two, three years for them to hear the consistent message. Sometimes it needs a person to crawl into the middle of their life and demonstrate what it means to be a Christ follower. It took me two years to come to know Jesus. And so I think when we come to the passage, I think one of the things that is important for us to maybe think about or understand, is this something, is this passage only for the Apostle Paul? You know, because remember, he was called to, to take the message of the cross to the Gentiles. Is it only for him? And is it only for, for guys like John? Because he's a, he's a professional. He's a missionary and I'm a pastor. It, this, is, this is only for the professionals. This is only for the people who are called to do that. Or, or maybe you're sitting there, well, I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I, I don't know how to do this. I, I think Paul, in chapter 10, he, he kind of hits this right, right directly with what he talks about, the responsibility to all of us to honor and glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Notice what Paul writes. This is kind of the extension of this argument for uh, chapters 8, 9, and 10. Notice what he says. So whether you eat or drink... Whatever you do, think about it, mundane things like eating or drinking, which we all do every day, most of us three times a day, those mundane things, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not sinking my own good, but the good of many. Why do I do that? So that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What Paul was teaching and modeling to the people at Corinth is, I'm going to live my life in an intentional way so that when people see my life, they recognize that I am trying to draw them into a relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to do all I can for the glory of God to point them to the glory of Christ and who he is, what he's done for us, so that they might embrace him by faith. And so when I think what Paul is reminding us here is this, this is for all of us. It's not for the professionals. It's not for those who simply have a, who might have a gift of evangelism, but it's, it's an invitation for all of us. Listen, I can follow this and you and I can follow this and we can learn some principles here, how we can interact with people that we know who are not a Christ follower. So that's what I want to do. I, I want to look at this, and I want to look at the text, and I, I want to use this as maybe a springboard for the summer so that we can live a redemptive life. That's what I want to do. How can we live a redemptive life? And that's where we're going to go. How do we live a redemptive life? Number one, acknowledge our freedom. Look at verse 19 again. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many possible. Listen, Paul writes about something that's very, very true to us and very, very much something we as, as Americans embrace. Our freedom. That was the beginning and talked over and over about the freedoms that you and I have today to do the things that we do because of those who's gone before us and sacrificed and given their lives for us today. You know, I, I watched the, the hockey game on Friday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched the hockey game on Friday night, and they, the guy, the gentleman who always does this, he comes out and he sings the national anthem. And, and they always hold their, the line, or the land of the free. 
and the home of the brave. But they seem to draw the attention on this idea, land of the free. Why? Because we embrace our freedom. We acknowledge our freedom. We want, and as Americans, we want and cherish our freedom. And what, what Jesus talks about and what the Bible talks about is ultimate freedom. Ultimate freedom because we have been fret free, set free because of life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders who thought they knew it all, who thought they had it all figured out, who thought they knew how to have a relationship with God. He said this in John chapter 8. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, I would have set you free from your Judaism, from the temple sacrifices, from the law, from the trappings of all of that, all the rules and regulations that you Pharisees have added to faith. I want to set you free from all of that stuff because that's what Jesus does. He sets us free to live and to work and to operate in a wonderful and beautiful and powerful way. We are truly free in Jesus. Consider how we, you and I, are set free. We are set free from the wrath of God. We are set free from the wrath of God, from the judgment of God, from the anger of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, all of this, that passage talks about us being dead in our trespasses. All of us were dead in our trespasses. and We were living apart from God. We were in rebellion in our hearts toward God. Notice what the text says. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, objects of wrath. To be free from the wrath of God means that this principle of sin has been removed from my life because of who Jesus is and because I have embraced him by free. I am absolutely free in Christ. And all the trappings of my past life, all of the rebellion, all of the sin, I am truly, truly free from the wrath of God. So I think one of the evangelist questions that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do you believe that your family and friends those who are separated are under the wrath of God for what they are doing and how they're living. See, if I know and understand that, that they are under the hand of God, under the wrath of God because of their sin, I'm probably going to live a different way. I'm probably going to reorient my life in a different way, recognizing the ultimate judgment that could come upon their lives forever of living in separation from God. So you and I have been free from this idea of the wrath of God. Second thing is this, we've been free from sin. Sin, that principle, that nature of sin, that's been broken because of Jesus' work on the cross for us. Romans chapter 6 says this, But now that you've been set free from sin, you've become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a testimony of someone standing up here, or maybe a personal testimony of someone that you're, talking with, and they talk about their former life. They talk about what it meant to be uh, living under the principles of the world. They talk about that, and they talk about how Christ has set them free. You know, the, the radio station Joy uh, uh, Joy FM 99.1, do you ever uh, walk, or not walk, turn it on in the, in the car, and you're driving down the road, and they have those 99-second testimonies? You know, sometimes uh, if, I, if I land here, and the testimony's still going when I've, I've stopped the car, I just sit and listen to them. And I listen to how people in 99 seconds tell how Christ has absolutely changed their life 
in a minute and a half, they have been set free from all the pain and the suffering that they've experienced in life. And that's what he's talking about here. We have been set free from this bondage, this grip to sin. We've been set free to serve the Lord in the wonder and the beauty of who he is. And not only have we been set free, the Bible says this, that God has made you a light to shine in the midst of darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 talks about Christ is, is shining his light on our lives so that we can go and be a light to the glory of Jesus Christ. And we have that great privilege of being able to live that kind of light in the midst of the world. Why? Because we've been set free of our sin. He's radically ch- changed us on the inside. So we've been set free from our sin. We've been fr- set free from the wrath of God. We've also been f- set free from fear, the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15 says this, says this, And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. I can't tell you how many people I know live in fear of death. They live in fear that they're going to pass away and they can't control it. They have no idea. I mean, think about what's happened to the last couple of years, this COVID-19 virus. I mean, they, they brought this, they, they brought the element of death not out there. They brought it literally into our houses every night through the media. And they would have that report of how many people passed away in our city, in our state, in our country. There was almost a daily toll and people living under this grip of fear. There is a genuine fear of death. And what What Christ does is he removes that fear of death because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of who he is, because we can look forward to and anticipate the day that one day you and I are going to be transformed into something different, something wonderful and something beautiful. That's the promise of the resurrection of Jesus. So there's a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Joe Stoll, and I, I came to know him. Um, he was at Moody Pastors uh, Conference. He was a speaker there, but he was also the president many years ago of Moody Bible Institute. And he would always come and he would share stories. He was just a wonderful pastor. I mean, he's just got a great communicator, a heart for the Lord, and he just told great stories. And he tells the story of um, talking with his friend, Ben Wood. Ben Wood because of his faith and trust in Jesus in Wisconsin, started a home for development, developmentally disabled people. He started this home so that he can minister and to serve. And he says this, he says, I remember uh, Bud asking me one time, asking Dr. Soul, hey, Joe, do you know what our biggest maintenance problem is at Shepherds? I'm sure, I mean, Dr. Soul is probably, I don't have a clue what that is. And so he says, Dr. Soul said, I have no idea. And this is what he said. Dirty windows. Our kids press their hands and faces against the windows because they're looking to the sky to see if today might be the day Jesus will return for them and take them to his home and they will be healed and complete. Isn't that interesting? These kids still have this knowledge and this understanding because they've been taught that one day they're going to be transitioned into something wonderful and beautiful. Not that they're not that already, but one day they are going to be complete like all of us would. And, and what Christ does is he frees us up to live and serve for him and allows us to make decisions that would 
radically alter, like this guy did. I'm free in Christ, so I have this vision. I have this idea. I'm going to go start this home, and I'm going to deal with these children in a way that's absolutely different because of faith and trust in Jesus. So we are free to serve him in a mighty and powerful way. The, the last thing I believe that Christ does, he frees us from the standards of the world. That's the ultimate freedom. I mean, how, how many of our young people, you know, get, get bogged down with what they see on, on media and they see in Instagram and all of that, and, and they feel like they have to conform to some kind of standard of the world? We all face that pressure. Even adults face that pressure. And what Christ does is he frees us from acting in a way that's, that's contrary to what God would do. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8, notice it says, Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Whether you're a master, whether you're a slave, no matter where you are at, if you will be faithful to serve me and do the things and walk in obedience to, to me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bring blessing in your life. So it's not about how much money you make. And it's not about the position that you have. And it's not about your possessions. And it's not about all of those things. It's ultimately about what? recognizing our freedom that we have in Christ and walking in obedience to him because of who he is. I do not have to fall prey to the standards of the world. And it frees me up to live and to operate in such a different way. There's a man by the name of, of Wayne Mesmer. And uh, he's, a, I guess, a big guy in the, the Chicago area. And he's a big sports fan. And for a lot of years, what he would do is he would sing the national anthem at the, the, the sport games, and uh, he was a, a broadcast announcer. And so one year, um, he was singing the, the national anthem, the, I'm sorry, the Star Spangled Banner, um, uh, at a Chicago Blackhawks game. And after the game, as he was walking home, he, he was shot point blank by, by two young men, shot him, and shot him in a place where it, it get, did a lot of damage. And he was not sure that he would ever be able to, to sing again. And uh, after about six months, he was able to return to the microphone. But the physical healing of what he went through was one thing. The emotional and the spiritual healing that he had to go through was a different thing. And because of his faith and trust in Christ, he was convinced that his emotional healing was tied to his ability to forgive his assailants. There's this, this correlation, if you will. So in his book, the Voice of Victory, One Man's Journey to Freedom Through Healing and Forgiveness. And this is what he writes about his experience and his journey. In spite of my frustration, I believed I had reached a point where I could honestly say I had forgiven these young men. In doing so, over a period of uh, contemplative and reflective prayer and meditation, I was confident I had set myself free from the chains that had connected me to this incident. He felt free to be able to move on. Although one of the boys had been released on a plea bargain, the other, James Hampton, remained incarcerated to prove to himself that he had truly been, he had truly forgiven his would-be harmers. Mesmer drove 225 miles to Galesburg Correctional Center, and he asked to see Hampton, the man who heard him. After several years had passed, Hampton had grown into a teenager and as a young adult, and they had this conversation together. It says this, Mesmer found strength and grace to say to the man who had hurt him, James, I'm here because I want to see how you are doing. I want to check in with your life. My life has been changed, but I want to see how you are doing. After a two-hour emotional visit, Mesmer turned to leave, reaching out and touching Hampton's forearm. He offered a benediction that revealed the freedom of his heart. And this is what he said, James, I bid you peace. 
I bid you peace. How could he bid him peace? Because Christ had given him freedom inside of his heart to forgive someone who did a really, really bad thing to him. And that's what Christ does. That's the way that he works in our life and our hearts because we have been forgiven of our sin because we've forgiven of, of all of this sin, past, present, and future. We have the freedom to live and to operate in such a mighty and powerful way because of Christ and what he's done. So because of our freedom and what he's done, what do we do? The second principle I want to pull out this is in verse 19 again. Adopt a certain mindset. We've been set free, so what is our mindset? How are we going to operate with those around us? Look at verse 19 again. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You see what Paul does? He says, listen, I recognize my freedom. I've been set free in Christ. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a conscious decision about the way that I would operate. I'm going to make a conscious decision to make myself a slave. I'm going to put myself in a subservient role to all of the people around me so that I might live in such a way that they would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. He says this, I make myself a slave to what? To everyone. Do we make ourselves a slave to the people that we would come in contact with, that we would place ourselves in a way to serve them, to honor them, and to help them on whatever journey they might be, to put ourselves in their place, to to help them. That's what Paul is saying. I, I, I make a conscious decision, if you will, to live my life in such a way so that they might come to know and understand Jesus. What a great reminder of the great privilege we have to live a life like Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man came to give his life as an offering for sin. I, I've come to give myself up so that you might serve one another, that I might serve you. And you and I have the great privilege of being able to do that, to live our lives in such a way that we serve other people and the cause of Christ and the glory of Christ so that they would come and experience the forgiveness of sin, the wrath of God being removed, all of these things that we've talked about here. So we acknowledge our freedom, we adopt a certain mindset, and then we have the great privilege of following the principles, following the principles that Paul outlines here. And let me just pull out a couple of them. You and I have the privilege to adapt our lives to the cultural requirements around you. Look at, uh, look at verse 20. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. Four times in this text, he talks about this. I became like this. I became like this person. I became like this person. I became like this group. In other words, he made a conscious choice to adapt his life to the circumstances that he might find himself in for one purpose. So that he could represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's probably not any different in this text. It's probably not any different that you and I might find ourselves in. I I mean, I look at my life. So I have a context of community here at Hope Church. And and I live my life in that community. But I have neighbors that live around me. And I've got the guy across the street. And I've got my neighbor over here and I've got my neighbor over here. And what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to live an intentional way, live in a very, very different way so that I can tell them about Jesus. Jesus. 
And, and then I have this golf league that I'm in on Thursday night. And I do the same thing there. I ebb and flow in this golf league. Why? So that I can ultimately tell them about Jesus. And then I have this, this other motorcycle group. And I do the same thing there. And every one of those groups are entirely different. And I cannot act this way in this group and act the same way in another group. It's not going to work. And what Paul is saying, listen, we have freedom in Christ to adapt to different circumstances. He says, listen, to the Jews, I became a what? A Jew. To those under the law, I became like those under the law. Not, I'm not going to give up my convictions. I'm not going to fall away from the, the line of Christ. I'm not going to fall away from the word of God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to embrace my conviction. But there's certain things that I don't think I have to do. I don't have to follow the Pharisees' rules and regulations in life. In verse 20, when he says, those without the law, referring to the Gentiles, listen, I'm going to do whatever I can to adapt my life without compromising the word of God in order to be able to reach them with a message of life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to the weak, we're not necessarily sure what that means. Could be weak in faith. Could be somebody who's not a Christian. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to adapt. I'm going to adapt my message. I'm going to adapt my methodology I'm going to adapt my conversations, if you will, that would allow me to be able to direct themselves, if you will, not necessarily to the rules and regulations of life, but to ultimately faith and trust in Jesus and who he is. I mean, think about it this way. So, yes, so I ride a motorcycle. And there's no doubt that within that community of people, it's a very, very different community. And I've embraced that community. So they cuss and they drink and some of them party and they have tattoos and they have all of these things about them. And I know that about them and I embrace that about them. And they're very, very different. As a matter of fact, when I go into their times and their meetings and circumstances, I don't tell them that I'm a pastor. I don't want them to know that I'm a pastor. I want them to be who they are so I can get to know them. So imagine if I go into that setting and somebody cusses and I begin to talk to them about cussing. Or I find out that they're living together. And I, well, you know what? The Bible says you shouldn't live together. Or maybe it's about drink. Or, or maybe it's all of these other things. Maybe it's about morality. If I continue to hammer in them simply on what the Bible says, I have earned no trust in their life. And all they see in Christianity is the Bible is a book about rules and regulations in life. And what I think Paul does is he adapts himself, knowing the freedom that he says, is, I'm going to sit down and have dinner. I'm going to enter into life with the tax gatherers, tax collectors. And this, I'm going to enter into life with them. I'm going to break bread with them. I'm going to be around them. And I'm going to be careful in the way that I would monitor a relationship over here with someone who's very, very different. And I'm going to be wise I'm going to be wise in the conversations that I have. And I'm going to be intentional. And I'm going to find ways in the context of those communities to serve other people so that I can ultimately communicate about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think that's what Paul is saying here. Listen, I, I'm a Jew, and, and, and I love God's word, and I love God's law. But I don't have to be kosher all the time. Every once in a while, I can eat bacon. It's okay for me to do that because I have freedom in Christ. And I think that's what Paul is saying. We have this great privilege to adapt our lives, to live intentional in such a way that they can embrace the gospel, Jesus, life, death, burial, and resurrection, and let the power of Christ change them. We don't have to, we don't have to tell them to become a Christian. 
The Spirit of God, under the authority of God's Word, will bring them, draw them into faith, draw them into making the necessary change they need to make. One last thing is this. Look at verse 23. There's a blessing with this. I do all of this. Notice he says, I do all of this sake. What? For the sake of the gospel, that I may share in his blessing. What are the blessings? The blessings are a life of obedience. The blessings are I get to live obediently, Matthew chapter 28, in the Great Commission. I get to live obediently knowing that I have intention of living out the gospel message of Jesus. What I'm going to do is I'm going to experience seeing God's purpose and plan lived out in others. I'm going to have the great privilege of planting seeds in the lives of other people. And the last thing we're going to see is you're going to see changed lives. We're going to see changed lives. We may not necessarily see them today, tomorrow, but as we plant seeds, as the message of Christ goes forward, lives are going to be changed. So, so here's my question. Here's the challenge for us is, I want us to live intentional this summer. Find a family, a person, a community, find that place to grab into, to go into, and ask the Lord, Colossians chapter 4, to open doors so that you can speak the mystery of Christ. In whatever context that may be. Now, Paul describes four different contexts of his life. I describe some context for your life. I'm, I'm sure that you have that. But let's not be careful. Let, let, let's be careful to, to remember that we have this responsibility and privilege to take the gospel for the sake of the gospel. Over and over, we hear that from the life of Paul. So the freedom that we have in Jesus, the freedom that we have to do all these things, let's take him with us and let's be intentional in the relationship we have. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that uh, for my own life, as, as, I, as I travel to be around family, as I travel in and out of these groups, Lord, Father, there's a reason why I'm a part of these groups. And I do want, I do want to be available to talk to people about Jesus. And Father, I, I know that uh, most of the people in this room have that same heart and passion. So, Father, I ask that you would help us, that you would go before us and open those doors. Help us to live intentionally among our family members, among our friends, among our associates. Lord, help us to live in such a way that the gospel of Jesus is prominent. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.